Hi everyone, I am Kirsten and I get to work here at the house. And for all of you who don't have your fall break plans or who are maybe a little apprehensive about your fall break plans, I would just really encourage you to think about and to go on the fall break trip that um, the house is going on, especially if you have been coming here and don't necessarily feel super connected, that is a perfect place to go and serve alongside of other people, play with them, and just have a restful and fun fall break. So I would really, really encourage you to think about it and to go um, talk to some people in the back afterwards. But speaking of fall, so <laughs> kind of embarrassing, but this weekend I think I figured out that fall is actually here, finally, this weekend. I was sitting outside on my patio, and I was like, oh, it smells like one of my fall candles out here. And I was like, oh, it smells like my fall candle because my candles smell like fall, and it's fall right now. Okay, great. Um, but I should have known. I feel like my Instagram is like blowing up with just pictures of people's leaves changing and all of that. We're planning these Halloween dances and picking out costumes very fall. And then every single grocery store is packed with pumpkins. Everywhere I go, I feel like people are going crazy over which pumpkin they're going to get. And I have a, a friend who gets really, really obsessive about pumpkins, and she is planning on actually this week going to the store to pick out her perfect pumpkin. And she probably will be there for a good couple hours. She lines up all the pumpkins and looks at which one is going to be the one. And it's not like the perfect pumpkin is like exactly symmetrical and a certain size, but there's this perfect pumpkin that is going to become this new creation that she has in mind. And so like a lot of us will probably do in the next couple weeks, she picks out her pumpkin, takes it home, she's gonna wash it. We then, you know, take a knife and we cut out the top of it and then we begin to get all that guck and pumpkin junk out of the inside of the pumpkin and we bake the seeds, eat the seeds, and then we begin to carve the pumpkin. Some of us may carve pictures of cats or pictures of smiley faces without teeth. Some people get nuts and do like crazy artwork on their pumpkin. One of my friends actually is an incredible pumpkin carver and here are some of his pictures of the things he carved last year. Yes, I know, ridiculous, right? I, on the other hand, am not, I don't make masterpieces. I'm that person that forgets that everything has to connect and so usually ends up with just like a hole in the middle of a pumpkin. Um, but last year I did this one, this was great. Yeah, go Cardinals. Um, <laughs> um, the year before, here's, here's my other brilliant pumpkin to the next screen. Okay, mine's the one with the green head. I, I, I wasn't very good at carving that year, so we made a person out of it. But no matter, no matter what you carve in your pumpkin, there is this moment that when you're done, you put the candle inside of it, and you light the candle, and then illuminated from this ordinary pumpkin is this new creation, a jack-o'-lantern. And this process 
is a process that's very similar to what Paul, the author of 2 Corinthians, is writing about in today's text. This process is very similar to what was read up here during Call to Worship, this idea of a house being remodeled and turned into this beautiful palace. This process is a process called sanctification where we are being set apart. We are being made holy into the image of Christ through our attitude and our actions and our thoughts. And this process is a process that Paul in the scripture is called, calling transformation that we're going to look at tonight. So the scripture comes from 2 Corinthians three twelve through 18. You can read along with me. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze on the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And now Moses, back in Exodus, had gone up to Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments from God. And there he was up on the mountain and he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, will you have your presence pass before me? Will you show me your glory? And God said to Moses, okay, well, you actually can't see my face because you will surely die. However, I will let my back pass before you. So the Lord's back passed before Moses, he got the Ten Commandments, and then he went down the mountain. And when he got down the mountain, his brother Aaron and some other people saw him and were afraid because he was glowing, because he had been in the presence of the Lord. So Moses gave them the commandments, and then he went and he got a veil and put a veil over his face. And he would continue to do this. He would go and talk to the Lord, remove the veil, tell the Israelites what had been revealed to him, and then he'd put that veil back on. And so Paul, in this passage, is using this picture of Moses veiling his face as an image for us of what it looks like to live a life in the glory of God, but unveiled. He actually is proclaiming a very similar hope that Jason talked about last week, that our hope for this sermon series is that your hearts would be widened, and that you would have ears that would actually hear and eyes that would actually see. And Paul here is saying that I want you to have a life that is actually unveiled. And he's saying we can do this by turning to the Lord that Christ is the one that can unveil our lives. So as we look at what this unveiled life looks like, I'm gonna pray for us. Um, Father God, 
you, you in your spirit are the one that does this unveiling. So I pray that tonight your spirit is at work in all of us, um, removing this veil, allowing us to simply gaze into your glory and participate in it. Um, thank you for doing that. It's pretty great. In your name, amen. Unveiled eyes transform us from one degree of glory into another. In verse 18, it says, with unveiled faces, we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and we are being changed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So with these unveiled eyes, we are beholding the glory of God. And beholding is not a word that simply is this, oh, I'm kind of looked at it or just checked it out for a second. But this idea of seeing, really seeing and being changed by it. A picture of going up to Signal Mountain or Lookout Mountain and going to Edwards Point and looking out over one of the lookouts and seeing all of Chattanooga below me and seeing the river running through and beholding what I have seen. As I look at this, I am impacted, I am changed. Or think about if I ever were to go to the Grand Canyon and standing, looking at the Grand Canyon and realizing, oh my gosh, I'm so small because this thing is so huge. That I'm beholding this canyon and I am being changed. And so we with unveiled eyes are beholding this image of the glory of God. Okay, but how, if Moses was told he couldn't look face to face with God, how are we then looking face to face with the glory of God? Well, the glory of God, this picture is Jesus. He's saying that we are beholding as in a mirror. He's meaning that this reflection of the glory of God is fully in Christ. Jesus is the fullness of God. He has his full glory. So we get this opportunity to look glory straight in the face because we get to look at Jesus, the reflection of his glory. And it is Jesus that is the image that we are being transformed into. And so our sermon series, our last sermon series, all of these attributes of Jesus, we kept talking about these things that we are being transformed into as well. That is his image that we are being changed into. And so as we look at Jesus, as we stare at him, we are affected. I mean, if you, th if you think about it, the more you look at somebody, the more you're around somebody, the more you become like them. Yesterday in core group, one of my girls was telling me that, she's like, you and Emma Gowan, one of our interns, are a lot alike. Um, she's like, you have a lot of similar mannerisms. And I was like, well, yeah, that makes sense. She was in my core group for four years. We work together. We see each other a lot. And so we've picked up on similar mannerisms. Maddie, our other intern, girl intern here, I mean, I've known her for three, four months now, and I've already begun to pick up things that she does. She gets excited, and she puts her hands up to her face and has a smile, and I've noticed myself doing very similar things. When we see somebody and are around them, we become like them, it changes us. 
So as we look at Jesus and we see him with these unveiled eyes, we begin to see what kindness really looks like. We begin to see what love and gentleness really looks like. And it becomes part of us. And we are transformed even in our eyes towards other people, that we now see other people not as frustrations or annoyances, but we see other people as these new creations as well. And then in this passage, Paul doesn't just stop with these unveiled eyes, unveiled faces, but he also references this idea of having an unveiled mind, that their minds were hardened and the veil had to be removed from the mind. And when I think about a veiled mind, I think of a mind that is confused, a mind that is filled with chaos and lies. A veiled mind is a mind of a girl who is 80 pounds and clothes are hanging off of her body and she looks into a mirror and believes that she still has to lose weight. A veiled mind is a mind of a student that is incredible and has so much potential and all he believes about himself is that he's a failure. A veiled mind is a mind of someone who has been dumped and believes that they are just a disappointment, that they are unlovable and not worthy of anyone's affection. A veiled mind is a mind that when they look at God, they believe that he is far away and does not look like Jesus. But when our mind is unveiled, we are transformed, we are sanctified, as John 17 says, in truth. That it is truth that is changing our minds. That it is Jesus that is in there that is saying this, this is what true looks like. So when we have an unveiled mind, this girl looks in the mirror and she sees that she is a creation that has been made very good. And this student believes that he has been qualified to work alongside of the Lord in this kingdom. And the one who's been broken up with sees themselves as someone that is loved, sees themselves as someone that God is healing. And the unveiled mind looks at God and they see Jesus. And they know God because they know Jesus. A.W. Tozer says that the most important thing about a man is what comes to his mind when he thinks about God. And I get this. I think to myself, if I, or when I'm around somebody that I don't like, or I, that not that I don't like, when I'm around somebody that I think doesn't like me or know doesn't like me, I, I don't really want to be around them. I kind of am distant and anxious and just do everything I can to get out of that situation. But if I think someone actually really likes me and wants to be around me, I'm gonna hang out with them all the time, I'm gonna be goofy and fun, invite them to do whatever whatever I can invite them to do. I'm going to want to be around them. And so if when I think about God, I think about him as somebody that doesn't like me, I'm going to respond accordingly. 
And when I think about God as somebody that does like me and does love me, I'm going to want to be around him and respond accordingly to that as well. And as our minds are being transformed, we begin to ask questions. And these questions are responded to with this truth that is changing us. And our imaginations are then opened to the Lord to speak to us through visions and dreams and excitement. And as our minds are unveiled and are being changed and transformed from one degree of glory to the next, it then comes down into our heart and we begin to want to move out of that. And Paul talks about that. He says that these people's hearts were hardened and that they were unveiled when they turned to Christ. And we with unveiled hearts are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. And the image for me that comes to my head when I think of a veiled heart is a calloused heart. One with just tons of walls surrounding it saying, don't, don't touch me. And I'm a ballet dancer, and so calluses in my world are actually great things. I want my feet to be as callous as possible, because if I have, if I have a callus on my foot and I um, get a wound, if I get hurt, I don't have to feel the fresh air upon new skin, that sting of that. I don't feel that because I have a callus. Or if I have a callus and I'm doing something and I have to fall to the floor or do some sort of slide, I don't have to feel that because I have a callus. Or if I start getting a blister and there's friction between my point shoe and my foot, I don't feel that friction because I have a callus. And a callus is a great thing for a dancer's feet, but it's a terrible thing for our hearts. If our hearts are callous, we are surrounded by so much deadness that we don't even recognize that there is new life that is itching to get out. That we with callous hearts could be in a worship service and the Lord could be breathing fresh air, fresh breath onto us and we don't feel it because our hearts are calloused. Or we could with callous hearts, read everything about what is happening in this world, the heartbreak, the tragedy, the trauma, and not be affected because our hearts are calloused. And some of us give ourselves those calluses because we've been hurt so much and we don't want to feel that again. Or we felt so much that we can't handle it, so we want that callous. But what happens is, is, yeah, we don't feel pain, but when our hearts are callous, we're also not feeling the goodness. We're not experiencing that love and that joy because it is all hard. And so as our hearts are unveiled, the Lord is saying, I want to transform this. You're not just going to sit with it, but we're going to move out of it. We're going to participate. That you have seen kindness you have seen love, and you have begun to understand it. So now we're going to move into experiencing it and participating in it, participating in generosity, participating in gentleness, participating in his glory. 
And this word glory that's been kind of thrown around in this passage that we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another, really the, the meaning of glory is weight. So if I'm going to give glory to God, I'm going to give him the weight he deserves. And then glory, as used in scripture, is used by God saying, like, my glory is my presence revealed. So when he came to the Israelites, he revealed his presence to them. He revealed his presence to Moses. He revealed his presence fully in Jesus. And now he's saying, I'm going to reveal my presence fully in you. If I were to right now say, okay, guys, go ahead and leave. Go outside. And you guys were to go outside. And out there, somebody has made for you this giant, like, ninja warrior obstacle course, right? Like, slides and gak and the climbing thing. Um, the gak's not a ninja warrior, just FYI. Um, but there's this whole giant playground out there for you. And you guys were all to go out there. And then you all just stood there. And we're like, okay, that's nice. And left. You would not at all be giving glory or honor or anything to the people that created that. Because this apparatus was made to be played on was made to be participated in. And that is what the Lord wants for you with his glory. He wants you to participate in his glory. He wants you to go and play on that playground. Because this word transformed is the same word that was used when Jesus went up on the mountain and he was transfigured. He became white as snow, he glowed. You could see the presence of the Lord in him. And, and now we are down here and we are not on this mountain. And we, too, are being changed into glory. And we are being transfigured so that other people may see it. So with these unveiled hearts, we begin to experience and act out this transformation into Jesus that we have seen, we begin to participate in the glory of the Lord by playing on the playground and showing his glory off to other people. And when we are told that we are going from one degree of glory to another, this should be a super freeing thing. That it is something that is not fading, that we are becoming more like Christ. We are becoming more filled with the presence of the Lord. And that we are not expected the moment we become a Christian to all of a sudden be like a PhD in glory. But that we're moving and becoming more and more and more like Christ. That should be freeing for us. And so tonight, I want to show you all something. It is a picture to me of what it looks like to simply have an unveiled face, an unveiled mind, an unveiled heart, of what it looks like to participate in this glory of the Lord that you are being transformed into, into celebrating it. And I hope that this video compels you to want to go and play 
and participate in his glory as well. This is a video of someone seeing rain for the first time. Hey, <laughs> 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 